You're listening to a message from Grace Church of North Brunswick, where people are empowered, impacted, and enriched through the good news of the gospel. To learn more about Grace Church, visit our website at gracechurchnv.com. And now we hope that you enjoy this message. Today we're going to blow some stuff up. Not really, okay? How many of you love that stuff, though? Oh, I love that. Ba-boom! Of course, the bridges were empty and the buildings were empty, so we're not advocating blowing people up necessarily. But what we are talking about are structures and things that we've built up in our lives that need to be blown up, things that are empty and are a waste. There are some things in our lives that need to be blown up. Amen? Stand to your feet right now. We're going to release the kids up to junior high to our awesome children's church. And when I say awesome, I mean it because it is awesome. Uh, They're going to be taught the word of God and given all kinds of candy and stuff. And I see most of them ran downstairs already. So greet the person next to you and say, there's something in your life that's going to get blown up today. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. <laughs> some people, you, some of you were actually thinking about a person that was going to be blown up in your life. That's not what we're talking about here. We don't blow people up, but there are things in our lives that are serving no purpose at all but to keep us from everything God has called us to. And um, there are many times in my life where there were things that were built up by me that were just empty and a waste of time. And my wife would say, we got to blow it up. I can't take credit for the blow it up. But I, once I hear something, I'm OCD, I'm saying it all the time. Like, when people, sometimes when people come for marriage counseling, like, let's stop right now, let's get out the T, TNT, and let's blow this thing up. Why? Because when you blow something up that's not working, you could start all over. Amen? Every one of those things was blown up so that they could build a new building or a new bridge or something that was worthwhile. Amen? We're going to uh, pray right now, so if you would join me. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you. I praise you and thank you for the worship for the offering, for all the different things we do here, for the children downstairs, for our youth, our Emerge group, all the things you're doing in this church. Father, if anyone came in here today not knowing Jesus Christ as Lord, we pray more than anything that they would leave saved. Father, we thank you for the visitors that are here. We pray they feel welcome. We pray they feel a touch of your grace in their life and that all their needs will be met according to your word today. Father, if anyone came in here sick in their body, struggling financially, emotionally, socially, relationally depressed, oppressed, maybe even some suicidal or really concerned or down about their future. Holy Spirit, speak through me to their heart. Meet them where they are. Lift them up. Blow up the things that don't need to be there anymore and help them to be all they can in you, Father, we pray today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's turn to Mark chapter 10, verses 46 and 52. We have finished up our series, Grace Wins, but it's still, it's Grace Still Wins, by the way. It's been our most listened to sermon series. If you would like to catch up on some of those messages, you just go to our website and go to media, and you can listen to the messages from the last three years. You can also watch the Sunday services, which is a blessing. There are people that are home right now. Uh, They're not here because of some reason beyond their control. Why wouldn't they be in church? So hi to those of you that are watching. We love you. But get in here. Amen. Amen. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Now they came to Jericho. As he went out of Jericho with his disciples in a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Cheer up, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. 
So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. I'm here to tell you that there's some things in your life that need to be blown up today. But I'm not talking about damage. I'm talking about breaking down and starting anew. They came to Jericho. It's no... <laughs> We're going to talk about someone named today, Bartimaeus. We talked about Jairus last week and Zacchaeus the week before. When God mentions the name, there's a reason. And when he mentions the town, there's a reason. So here we're talking about Jericho. It says that he came out of Jericho. When you look at this same miracle in, other, in the other Gospels, it talks about two blind people. But here he's focusing on one because of his actions. And it also says in the other Gospel that he's going into Jericho. And here it says he's going out of Jericho. But at that time, there was two Jerichos. There was the old Jericho and the new Jericho. How many of you have been to Puerto Rico? Well, you need to get there. How many of you know there's an old San Juan and a new San Juan? So you can leave San Juan and go into San Juan. So they left Jericho and went into the new Jericho. The old Jericho is the place, what, where the wall came crashing down, where something got blown up. Amen? So today we're going to talk about blowing things up. But you know, that wall in Jericho had to come down for them to enter the promised land. And there are some things in your life that need to come down for you to be all you can be in Jesus. And I'm not just talking to church people today. I'm talking to pastors, leaders, everybody, myself. We all have things that we have built in our lives or we've allowed to grow that need to be blown up. Amen? So blind Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. Here's what I love about Grace Church. We have two services, right? The first and the second. I like the second better. Amen. Don't tell, don't tell the guys in the first. First of all, we got loud people in the second one. In the first one, we got to do jumping jacks to wake them up most of the time. But also, in between the first and second service, of course, Pastor Kevin or Pastor John or Pastor Alicia or my son or somebody is going to... Tell me, you know, hey, did you see this part of it? Did you catch it? Like, you know, they're going to preach my message to me and, and add things that I needed that I didn't see. And you know what? Good. That means you get a little more revelation. You're so blessed. You sleep later, but you get more. Amen? Amen. So, <laughs> Pastor Kevin, my wife, my son, they all pointed something out to me. The first was a blind Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. Now, the word Timaeus means unclean. So this guy went around being called son of unclean, but as you pointed out, Pastor Kevin, not only that, he was called blind son of unclean. I mean, you got to add that. Like, you stupid son of a, you know what I mean? Like, what? you're in church, all right? You stupid son of, Bart of Timaeus. Timaeus means unclean. You blind son of Timaeus, son of unclean. Imagine being called son of unclean. Now, we don't know, was his father blind? So that's why he was born blind. I mean, isn't it amazing that you don't get to choose your family? How many of you might have chosen differently? If you raise your hand, you two are in trouble. <laughs> My daughter's visiting here today, and that's what she's going to throw? The money is staying right here. I just put a zip on the pocket. But you don't get to choose your family, do you? You're just born into it. I was born into a broken home. Anybody else? And did that break you? So he's called son of unclean, son of a mess. We're all sons of Adam when we're born, amen? We're all born into sin. We're all sons of someone who is unclean. But you know what? Galatians 3.26 says something different about us. Can, can I, first of all, how many of you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? All right, can I? Oh, I got to get the TNT out right now. This thought that you're not worthy, guess what? 
You know that song that was written by Pastor Kevin and Jules, I Am Who You Say I Am? We're going to take this, I'm a son of no good, I came from this, I don't have this, I'm not that, I was born into this, and we're blowing it up right now! Boom! Boom! Bam! Through faith in Jesus, you're all sons and daughters of God. Do you know that is just so important to get? Now, how many of you grew up with a great mom and dad? Or a great dad, even? I noticed. Or a great dad. Hallelujah. You know, I like to say this because we're in a political season, but I'm going to tell you something. It isn't the government that's wrong with America. It's mighty men. It's mighty men of God and fathers. When the father leaves, it's, it's just facts, people. I'm not, this isn't church stuff. This is reality. Pastor Kevs is teaching this thing every Saturday, how to be a better man. I couldn't think of a better class to go to. Because if we get better men, we're going to have a better church, we're going to have a better country, and you're going to have a better family, ladies. So kick your husband out the door. We got a men's retreat coming up on October. Kick him out. And say, don't come back till you're a better man. Because you're going to have a better marriage. You're going to have a better family. But, you know, many of us grew up without... I didn't have anyone to call dad. I never called anyone dad. And when I met my father when I was 26, 27 years old, I really didn't know what to call him. So I used to just, I couldn't even, like, I didn't know how, like, you know, I'm a a man now. So it was like, daddy, you know, it was just hard. (laughs) And he wanted me to call him dad. I didn't know. But it was just so difficult. I didn't know what to do. So you know what? I I wouldn't call him anything. Because I didn't want to call him Joe. Or old man, I tried pops, but now he's called me pops, so I don't like pops. Pop sounds like over 50. Anyway, I met Jesus, and it said in Romans that he's Abba, Father, when we were in Israel. We were in the airport waiting to go home. And a little kid with a yarmulke on, a little kid was running through the airport going, Abba, Abba, Abba. And my heart just melted. Because that's what God says to call him dad. And the first person I ever called dad was God. To realize that you're his daughter or you are his son will blow up anything in your past, anything that tries to creep up on you, anything, 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 that he's your dad. Larissa, happy birthday, by the way. Pastor Kev, happy birthday, by the way. And whoever whoever else's birthday, I know you guys are pretty much the same uh, month and same year that you were born, and... uh, Do you call him dad? Yeah. Is he your real dad? No. Larissa calls Todd dad because he's been a father to her. He's not her biological father, but he's a true father. He's not only your biological father, but he is your true father. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Call him dad. When you need money, who you call? Dad. (laughs) When you guys need money, who do you go to? Mom, yeah. (laughs) But guess who she goes to? Me. But she doesn't ask. Every morning I come out and I go, this is lighter, what? Somebody's robbing me, There's, there's a thief in the house. Lord Jesus. Mark in 1047. So then this blind guy, he hears Jesus of Nazareth. And you know, I'm thinking, if you're blind, you can't see. If someone literally 
had a bat in front of your face and wanted to hit you, they could do, you wouldn't see it coming. Or if a truck was coming down the road, you wouldn't see it coming. But hopefully you would hear it. If you're blind, you hear that much better because you want to be safe. So here is this blind son of an unclean hanging out in Jericho and outside of Jericho. And you know what? Jericho was a vacation town. It was a richer place where people would go. And uh, so he was in the right place, but he was just looking for money. But he heard that Jesus was coming. But as we all know, just looking at these scriptures, it's, uh, the context is easy to see that he knew something about Jesus before he got there. He's a blind man. He heard, I've heard about this, the, the word got around. Listen, when somebody's raising people from the dead, when somebody's touching people's deaf ears and they're hearing, when somebody's pe touching mute mouth and they speak, when somebody's casting out demons, when somebody's going in the synagogue and a withered hand is made whole, when somebody is touching eyes and people are able to see they've been blind their whole life, Word gets around. <laughs> he heard. He heard about Jesus. And I'm sure he loved all the stories, the walking on the water, whoop-de-doo, which is amazing, right? But what do you think caught his ear? He opened the eyes of the blind. That caught his ear. That made his spirit jump. That made him think, whoa. I know it would for me. You know what it is? Whatever you need from God, you've heard that he can do it. You've heard he can heal a marriage. You've heard he can change a teenager. You've heard he can help a family. You've heard that he can heal cancer. You've heard that he can restore a relationship with a family member. You've heard that a young person's life could be totally turned around. You've heard that a teenager could bring their parents to church and they could come to the Lord. You've heard that a drug addict can preach the gospel and people can get saved. You've heard. You've heard. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing the word. So he heard Underneath, in his heart, he had faith, this guy. It says in the Bible, we walk by faith and not by sight, right? Well, it's easy for him because he can't see. I said it's easy for him because he can't see. Sometimes maybe we need to close our eyes and just listen. Just listen. Because if we move by what we see, we won't hear it all. So he comes by, and my preachers all pointed out to me in between the services something very interesting here. He was called blind son of unclean. When Jesus came by, he said, Jesus, son of David. <laughs> he recognized who he was. Son of David is a messianic term. He heard that the Messiah, it says in Isaiah, he would come and open the eyes of the blind. And people were talking about, could this be the Messiah? Because he's doing everything that we've heard before, and it's happening. He knew deep in his heart, yes. And he had hopes. He had real hopes. And so here is his moment, everybody. You've heard about it. You've thought about it. You know, you start to believe maybe God can do this. Maybe he can help me. That was me before I met Jesus. I heard that he could change people's lives. I heard that all things were possible to him. So me being a drug addict, a high school dropout, a lost life, I heard that maybe this could change. So I had a little hope in me. And there's somebody here today that has a little hope that God could turn this situation around. And I'm telling you, don't let it pass you by. Don't let today be a wasted day. This could be the day where everything in the past is blown up in your life. There's, we saw bridges there, right? Bridges to the past. 
And the devil wants us to turn around. We have a bridge to the future, and he wants to turn around and walk on that old bridge back to who we used to be. And you know what? That bridge will fall out from under your feet. Because God wants to blow it up so you can't go back. You can only go forward. And that's where this guy was. He is in a place where it, I got to blow this thing up. They warned him, be quiet. What do you do when people tell you to be quiet? <laughs> Not everybody, but some do. You know the guy at the Giants game, right? Who's shouting at every ref and every call that happens, and he, he won't shut up, and then somebody from, the, from behind or front says, could you be quiet? Guess what's happening? You know what's happening, right? It's getting louder. We should have that attitude with God. See, those people, the same people following Jesus, the same people that they saw and they heard. But this guy heard and he wanted to see. And they're telling him to keep quiet. Shh. How many of you grew up in a family that was always, shh, big Elephant in the room. Shh. How many? Come on. You, you can't even raise your hand because you've been taught not to share it. <laughs> People literally grow up in families where they're taught not to talk about nothing. I, say amen because half of you were in that family. Amen? Told him to be quiet. Okay, I'm taking out the TNT right now. See it right there? My creative team takes it a little far, but um, that being quiet stuff, you ready? Ba-boom! Blow it up! Because it doesn't work. It doesn't work, everybody. Sorry, it's not God's way. Shh, keep the mask on. How you doing? I'm blessed. Everything's wonderful. Now, there's nothing wrong with a positive confession, but let me blow up all you positive confession people for a second. If there's underlying issues that haven't been dealt with, you can talk to your dead. It's not going to change anything. Say amen. amen. I'm going to show you James 5.16. Listen, I know a lot of people that thought faith was the only thing that mattered, and they're out of church now. You know why? Because they confessed and confessed and confessed, and nothing happened, and people died in front of them, and people died of cancer in front of them, and they couldn't reconcile it. So then they got stuck inside and never recovered. Yeah, this is reality. Because just going around confessing scriptures is not enough. I'm sorry. Faith without works is what? Yeah. Dead. That's dead Christianity. And it has killed many a good Christian that had good intentions. But when they prayed over somebody who was dead and they didn't rise from the dead, they blamed somebody. I'm pushing on some buttons right now. Listen, it says in James 5.16, to confess to who? Not to God? No, I confess my sin to God. I tell God everything. What do you do? That when you got saved, you told God, I'm a sinner, and you got saved. And you should still confess your sins to God. That word confess means to speak openly. Oh, okay. Oh, I confess my sins all the time. Anybody around? Hey, God, man, I really messed up. You believe what I did? Everything's fine. That's not speaking openly. Your slips, your offenses, to one another. I, one another. Who's one another? Have you confessed your sins to one another? That you may be what? Why do you have to confess your sins to one another so you can be healed? I'll tell you why. Because I can't pray for you if I don't know what you're dealing with. Oh, let's pray, everybody. Let's pray. 
You know what people want to do? They want to confess your sins to one another. Did you hear what I said? People want to confess your sins to one another. Or the church's sins. Or the pastor's sins. Or the televangelist's sins. We'll confess everybody's sins but our own. And then we'll tell everybody in church, oh, everything's fine. I get people like that all the time. Couples that come in, they're walking around like everything's great, and they're saying the curse word, the D word. That's a curse word around here. There's a lot of different words with letters. Don't say that letter around us. Curse! That's a curse word. That word should never be spoken, period. You want to have a positive confession? Don't say that. Amen? Amen. Some people are like, what word is that, Pastor Joe? What's the D word? <laughs> I'm not saying it. Divorce. No. <laughs> Confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. You know, sometimes when my wife have a, and I have a little disagreement, which is very rare, Once a day. <laughs> Twice a day. No. Not all the time, but when we do, we'll both be praying. And you know what we pray? We pray about what the other person did wrong. <laughs> dear, like if she's being unforgiving, I'll be, dear Lord, I pray that everyone would be forgiving in the world. Just if everyone in the world would just forgive. Or if I say something mean, she'd be like, I just pray that everyone would be kinder and gentler. In Jesus' name. And then I open my eyes, she closes hers. And then I pray, she opens her eyes, I close mine. It's not confess her sins. Confess your sins where you've been short. I talk about couples a lot. I'm sorry because I love the whole dynamic. Because marriage is like our relationship with God, you know. But what I always do when we have couples in as I say, you take five minutes to tell me what's bothering you, and we put a clock on it because usually it's like five minutes, and they're, like, and they're, and they're just starting to share. You're like, I can't stand it. Beep, you're done. <laughs> then we go to the other spouse. It's like, oh, they're like, really? Oh, man, they, the second one always, it's like the second service. It's always better because they just start, go, 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 go. Then we have some counseling time in the middle, and at the end, we say, okay, now say those things you love about your spouse. And I'm like, you got three more minutes, you know? You're like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got more time. <laughs> but you know what? The five minutes is good. Because nine times out of ten, the, the other partner has no idea. Like, really? Like, that bothered you? Really? You know, sometimes I do, I, I, I mean, I can be annoying, amen? I confess we're, that was a quick amen. <laughs> Dang, I could have get an amen out of you all day. My son and my wife, I just annoy them for some reason. We're just different, you know, whatever. But uh, <laughs> there's certain people in your family that you annoy, amen? Yeah. And there's certain people in your family that annoy you. Amen? <laughs> but um, where am I going with this? Uh, <laughs> you know, you don't know, like, I'll do some little thing and I won't know. You know, unless somebody tells me. Like this morning, I was taking a shower, you know. We had the Christian music playing there. Take the iPhone, you know, in the bathroom and. She's doing whatever she does. I'm doing whatever I do. Whatever I do takes is quicker than whatever she does. But that's another story and another point. I don't know. It's just the way we're made, you know. But, um, you know, I'm in the shower. Woo, ha, river run wild in me. Holy Spirit rain down. And all of a sudden I hear silence. And, of course, dummy that I am, Instead of thinking that it could have been technical difficulties like happened all day with our sound system, right? These things actually do happen. I open the door and I go, why'd you turn that down? Oh, God. Did you ever? Like, you know, I'll do little things. 
and I upset her, but I don't even know it. And that's how our marriage was for a very long time. If you haven't read my book, read it just for that, about how our marriage, you know, she was very, I, as bad as my family was growing up, my mother was a psychologist, and she would always say, so how are you feeling? Share your feelings. I'm like, I'm miserable. Good job. Share your feelings. I hate this family. Great job. Share all your feelings. I'm hungry. Oh, that's wonderful, son. And she came from a family of, shh. Anybody? Shh. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. You know, like, dad's an alcoholic. Don't tell. And people will say, how's your family? It's wonderful. Meanwhile, people are being abused and, and hurt and, and, and mom and dad fight every moment. We can't pay the mortgage. You know, we can't pay our bills. How's everything? Fine. Shh. And when you get that together, you got a problem. Because me, I, I'm like quick to forgive because I know how a mess I am and I'm quick to share my feelings. And sometimes it's not good because I do it in not a good way. Okay, I'm confessing my sin and my slips here to you because you can't ask a church to do it unless you're willing to do it. See, I believe it starts with the leaders. You know what? I don't have all the answers, amen? Bring a couple in or bring a teen in or whatever and counsel them and say, look, I, I'm not perfect. I'm gonna give you the best advice I can and I'm gonna pray for you, but I'm not God and I'm not a cult leader, Okay. I'll do my best because I love you and I care about you. I go to the word of God, do my best. Amen. People appreciate that. Not leaders that come across like, I know. You don't know nothing. Because most of the times, if you're a leader like that, the people aren't going to really tell you what's going on. You got to get to the meat of it. You got to get this stuff under there, you know. So for the longest time, I would do things to hurt my wife but she wouldn't tell me, so I didn't know. So we would be in a vicious cycle because all my feelings would come out like blah. And she'd be like, everything's fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? I love you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but now since she got her breakthrough, you can read about that in chapter 11. Listen, I've had it with this, okay? Everybody that reads my books texts me like, your wife's amazing. She's such an angel and everything. I go, did you read the whole book? They're like, yeah. <laughs> How'd she put up with you? You married up, blah, blah, blah. Shut up. <laughs> Take that bull off the market. Anyway, point being, she had a breakthrough to the point where she would just say how she felt. And I had no idea. How much better is our marriage since that happened? Oh, much better. I hate this. Yeah. <laughs> it's not what you said this morning, but uh, no. But <laughs> praise God. The point is this. Now, if I say something that bothers her, she says that bothers me. And you know what? I'm a yeller. Anybody a yeller? I'm just a yeller. I'm Italian and Jewish. I can't help it. I can't help it. Like, I yell. Like, people will say to me, you're yelling. I'm like, I'm not yelling. It's my normal person. I ain't yelling. You want to know yelling? I'll show you yelling. I'm yelling now. You know what I mean? How many of you are like me? Like, you, you know, both of you yell? You know, how many of you are like that? You're like, you'll be talking to people and say, why are you so loud? I'm like, I'm not loud. It's not loud about me right now. I'm not being loud. So now, like, if, if it gets to the point where so she says that bothered me, I'm like, Really? Really? And she goes, yeah, really? And I'm like, what? Gosh. No, it's true. She comes back at me. And one time recently we were in the kitchen and something, and I was yelling, and she was yelling about it, and she got on a stool. And she looked down on me, and she said, yeah. And I was scared. I was like, oh, my God. Because <laughs> she got taller than me, you know? Guys, do not marry a woman taller than you. When she's mad at you, she'll put heels on, and you're in big trouble. Trust me. The point being, like, you know what I mean? She's coming back now, and I want to understand. And when we pray, we pray real. Because how am I going to know what's hurting her? I don't know. 
And even now, there's times I'll be stuck and she'll be like, what's bothering you? I go, nothing. Ain't nothing bothering me. She goes, what's bothering you? I go, <laughs> but at least then she can pray for what it is. That's a real relationship, everyone. Let's move on. Mark chapter 10. So Jesus stood still. So he got louder. Find your voice. Find your voice. How many of you have been told that you need to find your voice? Come on. Yeah, you can't even raise that hand. Come on. Find your hand, okay? You know what it is? Because you've never really, because you were taught not to. You were brought up in a situation where when you get up and you find your voice and you share emotion, it's a bad thing. Blow it up. Ba-boom. Amen? Listen, at the, we were married. I got saved. She got saved. We got together. We started going to church. I became a youth leader. I became a potential elder of the church. I preached at the church. I was a youth leader of the church. Let me say that again because that ain't easy, youth. But it, it's worthwhile. It's great. But it's not easy. So I had a lot of pressure there, had six kids, had a job in the city, trying to do all this stuff, but I still was not able to kick my drug habit. So, married with my second kid, I mean, after having her, you'd think I would have quit. I mean, this beauty right here. You know, but I just, I, I just couldn't, couldn't do it. So there would be occasion I'd come home on a Friday or I wouldn't come home on a Friday, and I wouldn't come home until Sunday night or Monday. And my wife was just sitting home with two little babies, probably pregnant again, because you were always pregnant. So <laughs> I don't even remember. We had seven kids in four years. We had six kids in seven years. It feels like seven. So she was always pregnant. I mean, how many of you women feel like you're always pregnant? I mean, you just, you just been pregnant all along, you know? She was pregnant. She, it's all blacked out to her. But here she is, two kids, most likely pregnant again, and I'm not coming home. And finally, she had enough. I was like, shh. She was like, no, I'm going to blow this thing up. She said, I'm calling the pastors. Hold on. I was like, call the FBI. Call the Narcos, call the DEA, please don't call the pastors. You notice I said pastors. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, or young people in the family, whatever, if you need to blow something up, don't just call me, call us. Because nobody wants to face us. It's like, we'll call Pastor Joe. And, and then I'll come over, I'll be like, oh, I love you. <laughs> No, no, when we get together, two or three of us, it's like, hey, <laughs> blowing this sucker up. She called, that's the worst word I've used in church ever in my life. I, I take that back. Blow this thing up. But she called all of them. It, it brought me to a place of, you know, it blew everything up. And it's good she did it. It's good she did it. Somebody here, a woman, a man, a teen, something. There's something going on in your marriage, in your family, in your house, in your job, and you need to blow it up. You need to call for help. You need not put up with this anymore. You hear me? You need not to put up with abuse anymore. You need not to put up with not the best anymore. With God, all things are possible. Blow some things up, and he'll give you brand new and better and more and greater Blow up that mindset. Blow it up that you can't have the best. And here's what happened. Jesus stopped and he said, I love this, bring him to me. And then they, they who told them to shut up are now they that say, cheer up. You know, the same people that maybe have held you back will one day cheer you on. They called him. 
when they heard from the master. And sometimes people in church will let you down. They will tell you to be quiet. They will tell you not to worship that way. They'll tell you not to bother the pastors. They'll tell you you need to change this or change that. Those will be the same people that say, you know what? You need it. Go. Get up. Come on. You know, you got to give grace even to leaders, even to people that are close to God that are going to make a mistake. They're going to tell you not to worship that way. They're going to tell you not to praise that way. But in the end, they're going to say, get up there, fall down at that altar, cry, do whatever you got to do. Whatever you need. I've done it. We've all done it. Amen? The same people that say, tell the drunk guy, wait, don't come in here. You smell like alcohol. will be like, you know what? Needs Jesus. Come to the front. Change, we could change. They called the blind man saying, cheer up, he's calling you and throwing aside his garment. I just love this. His beggar's garment, the garment that defines everything about him. He threw it off, free. He's calling me. This can change. I can have this. I can do this. If the sun sets you free, free. John chapter 8, it says, the sun sets you free, makes you free. Then you are unquestionably free. Some of you are, are locked in a box and you need to blow it up. You need to blow it up. And it doesn't necessarily mean circumstances. It means mindsets. It means religious things that are built up in your life that need to be blown up. I mean, whoever told you that you don't need to confess your sin to someone else lied to you. Whoever told you you can confess over slipping and, and sin and all that stuff has lied to you. James said it. You must confess to one another to be healed. Listen, if you can't confess your sin, you've never been prayed for. I said, you've never been prayed for. Really? Oh, Lord, I pray that you cover over all that stuff. <laughs> no, specific. Move on. Move on to the next scripture in, in Mark chapter 10. So Jesus said to him, what do you want? I love it. Like, what do you want? Specifically. Here's a blind man, okay? But what does he say when he screams out? He screams out, son of David, have mercy on me. Nothing about his eyes, nothing about his situation. Have mercy on me. And you know what? When you first got saved, that's what you did. Have grace and mercy on me, Lord. You died on the cross. I want that grace in my life. But it does not end there. What do you want? Recently, we were the, with a young lady, and uh, we were just talking to her, ministering with her, and uh, she started sharing about what she wanted us to pray for. And we're about to pray, and I'm like, that's not really what you want, is it? Imagine the guy could have said, well, oh, Jesus, if I could just see with one eye and be a pirate. You know, I have a patch over here, Jesus. Just let me see. Or Jesus, if you could make me a special pair of glasses that I could see every once in a while. What do you want? What do you want? So I just read somebody's mail and I said, this person was praying for a better job. She wanted a better job, and there's nothing wrong with wanting a better job. That's wonderful. But I knew she had children. And I said, no, 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 no. I'm not praying for that. I said, what do you want? It was so, and it's hard for us to really say it, to really get our voice, to really say what we want. You know why? Because we're afraid we're not going to get it. 
So we just throw out a general request. Have mercy on me. Oh, have mercy on Robbie, you know? <laughs> oh, Lord, I pray that they're better. You know, my kids, we used to all get together and pray, and they would be like, I pray we have a good day. Amen. I mean, wow, that's a lot of faith in that one. Remember that with the kids? And dear Lord, I pray we have a good day. A good day is when Daddy's not yelling. Good day, in Jesus' name, amen. Pray we have a good day. And I'm like, yeah, pray we have a good day. What does that mean? What do you want? So I said, you don't want a job. You want to be home with your kids. And that's what I'm praying for. We're praying for your husband to prosper, and we're praying for you to be home with your kids because God wants the best for you. You're his daughter. You're his. Open your heart to him and tell him what you want. What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? And why does he ask that? Because he wants you to say it. Because if you can't say it, you can't believe it. <laughs> See, you can say a bunch of stuff and not believe it, but you can't say it. I mean, you can't believe it without saying it. If you can't say it, you can't believe it. So a positive confession is wonderful because if you can't say it, you can't believe it. But don't do it with all kinds of stuff going on in your life that hasn't been dealt with. Because James 5.16 says this, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. Then the effective prayer of a righteous man avails much. What? After you've been healed. See, people want to go past the tough part. They don't want to confess their sin. They don't want to face the mistakes they made. But when you do that, your healing comes. Then you can pray. And there's such power in it. There's such power in it. There's such power in it. Then you can say what you really want. What's really in there. What do you really want? What ministry do you really want? What kind of parents do you really want? What kind of spouse do you really want? Oh, Lord, I just want to meet somebody. No, you don't, young people. You don't just want to meet somebody. You want a handsome, rich, young Christian man. In the name of Jesus, stand up. If you want a handsome, young Christian man, stand up and say, that's what I want. No, way, I'm going to try this again. If you want a handsome, good-looking, spiritual, godly, rich man, stand up. No, I said stand up. <laughs> good, good, good. They lowered the crippled guy through the ceiling. Do it. You know why? Because if you don't stand up and let that handsome young Christian man here know that you're here and ready, how's he going to know? Listen, ladies. I'm telling the ladies because ladies, let them know. Men are shy sometimes. She picked me up. She, she didn't waste any time. She's always saying, like, to, to, to the young girl, like, you know, if you meet a uh, handsome, young, great guy, say, let's have coffee. What's the worst they could say? No. Then you move on from that scrub, okay? Because if they don't want to have coffee with you, there's something wrong with them. Amen. And how many of you young, handsome, Christian men would like a beautiful, godly, rich young woman? Amen. Stand up. Stand up. Go ahead. Stand up. KJ, you better stand up. <laughs> Steve, sit down. <laughs> yeah. 
You got a choice between Zach, KJ, Joey, and Steve, but Steve's off. First of all, you don't even want Steve, so that, I mean. <laughs> so, okay, so now we know, okay? So work it out. <laughs> what do you want? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, Rabboni, Solobioni, Rabbonini, no, Rabboni. It's such an Italian word, Rabboni, Rabboni, Rabioli, Rabboni, Rabboni. It's really Rabboni. The only other time it's used in the New Testament is by who? Mary, in the garden, when she's, her, her life, her heart has died in Jesus. But she has some hope. They come to the tomb, and, and, and she turns around, and she sees him, and she says, Rabboni. Rabboni. She didn't go, Rabboni, hey, how you doing? Where you been? No, it was like, Rabboni, Rabboni, like with emotion. Some of you, your emotions haven't moved in a while. Your face has been stiff for the last 15 years. You haven't cried on an altar. Nothing can make you cry. Somebody get hit you with a bat and you'd be like, <laughs> nothing makes you cry. I'm going to tell you something, guys. Real men cry. Jesus wept. Jesus wept, and he didn't have to. And he didn't weep because of circumstances. He wept because of other people, because he cared. If you ever cried, it's because you don't care. I could preach a whole message on that. If you ever cried, it's because you don't care about nothing. Because you're so bent up and pent up, your arms are folded, you haven't let it out in a long time. You need to cry. You need to blow this thing up. Blow it up! Rabboni, he said, he said Rabboni, that I, that I can receive my sight. In other words, it's hard for me to say because I'm afraid I'm not going to get it. So it's hard for me to say, I pray in generalities because my faith isn't as strong as I think it is. Even though I know you're the son of David and, and I know you can give mercy, I'm afraid to step further because I might be hurt. The reason you don't cry, the reason you don't lay it out is because underneath you're afraid. You're scared. You're scared of what it might do, of what people might think about you. I got news for you. I forgot a long time ago what people thought about me. I don't care. I will jump. I will lay down on the altar. I will roll over. I will do whatever it takes to get everything that I can from God because people can't give me nothing. But he gives me everything. Before Grace Church started, I was preaching at a church in New York City. I was at one of the lowest points of my life. I was out of work in a really bad time. Six kids, no prospects, in debt, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Pastor said, I'm going away, preach. I was like, oh, great. This is what I want to do. But it was training ground for me. That worship team got up. I love our worship team. Best worship team I've ever heard. This worship team that we had there was almost as good as our worship team. They were almost as good. Because when they were singing, they were singing out of pain. They got up there and started doing worship. And about 15 minutes in, I went up on the altar there and I laid down. And I didn't get up for a half hour. I just laid down. And they just kept playing. Because I realized that there was so much in me that needed to come out, that, I, that something needed to be blown up in me, and I was never going to walk in my calling if I didn't leave it there that day at my lowest point, and I just laid there. And I must have looked so stupid, and guess what? I don't care. I really don't care. You know, there were times here when the worship was going on, and I laid down on the altar, and people would come up and just say, what's the matter, Pastor? Like, this doesn't look good. 
And they want to throw blankets on me and covers on me and, like, give me a bedtime story. I'm like, listen, you know, <laughs> I love our team. You know, they throw a blanket on you. It's just like, you go down, blanket coming, blanket. Ashley, you know what? It's cold. Could you make it too? But, and I love, I'm not, mock, I'm not, I'm just messing with you guys. But point is, there's some times where you just need, I just, like, I just blow it up like, oh, oh. Like, like, I want a better marriage. I want a better career. I want better kids. I want, (laughs) I want, like, this is what I really want, God. Because when I'm telling God what I really want, I'm like Rabboni. Rabboni. So we did an awesome wedding the other day with Michael and Leah. And uh, they had a lot of friends that weren't believers. Our worship team, they came down in the heat. And they played Holy Spirit over all these people. And, and it started to change. Like, like it started out like this worldly wedding. And, and all of a sudden they were singing, Holy Spirit, you know, fill this place. And it, the, the whole atmosphere changed in that wedding. I'm so proud of Michael and Leah. They just come to the Lord, you know. The guy sold me a security system. He didn't know he was coming to Jesus. But they came to Jesus They're wonderful people, they're, you know, and they're young, and they have friends that don't know the Lord, and they have some friends that do. It's a very difficult time. We went through that as well, you know, so they got all these people there. People are coming into this ceremony, right, and our worship team is there playing, like, Holy Spirit music. So we're up there, we do the the ceremony, and, like, at one part, they were going to take communion. Now, she... Leah had asked our worship team to play Beautiful Exchange. And I was like, I just, I can't, is this going to work? Like, I was even thinking about it. We were talking about it, like, is this? And it not only worked, but while they were taking communion and lighting the unity candle, they're going, you know, these, the, the words of Beautiful Exchange. And, and then when the female part comes in and when only love can make a way. And every, I'm just like, you know me, right? I'm bawling. I'm bawling. I am bawling. Like, it's just coming down. And Leah's looking at me. She's crying. And Michael, who rarely shows emotion, is breaking. And this is all during the time that I started praying a blessing over them. And I said, everybody, if you would be in agreement with me, and, and, and if you want to put out your hand and put out your heart, whatever. Well, there was a bunch of Grace Church people there, and they all stood out and put their hand out. And the other people were like, what's, what's about to happen? <laughs> like, what's... Yeah, I've never been to a wedding like this. What's going to happen? This thing's going to blow up. <laughs> right? Remember, Jay, you did. So they all stood up. And they... So that night at the party, I was hanging out, as I always do, Pastor Joe, at wedding parties. I was sitting there contemplating scriptures and uh, <laughs> looking out on the dance floor, making sure no one's doing anything not right, Okay. Just have it. We were just, we were just enjoying ourselves. You know, we like to dance at weddings. It's fun. So anyway, I'm just standing there talking to somebody, and we were ministering to the people at our table. They were wonderful. And this young man, out of nowhere, just starts nudging, like, next to me. <laughs> nudging? Like, no, nah, I don't do drugs anymore, man. <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, man, you got anything? No. He's nudging, he's nudging, he's nudging. I actually remember this guy because Michael gave me tickets to the NCAAs and I sat next to him. Remember we sat next to him. So I was like, I recognize this guy. And he said, I saw that. I go, what, what'd I do, man? What, what is it? And he goes, I, I saw that service. He goes, something was really powerful was going on there. I go, what was it? He goes, well, I rarely see emotion. And there was such emotion going on between you and the couple and your wife. And he was like, he goes, goes, is that real? He said, I go, what are you talking about? Of course not. I said, of course it was real. What do you you think? I turned around with Visine to look good? No, he, his heart was like such, so touched. He was like, was that real? 
And you know what? I said, Michael, yeah, it was real. You know why? I really care about them, and they really care about me. That's what Grace Church is about. This isn't a game. I want the best for this young couple. When I prayed that blessing over them, all my heart went into it. I love them. They've come to Jesus, and you can come to Jesus too. And you can date my daughter, okay? You're 24. <laughs> you see? Let me, you got all your teeth? Good job. I said, you got a job? Yeah, okay. I said, you passed three of them. Come to my church, get saved, and maybe we'll talk. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. You think I'm kidding? So let me just see your mouth open. Mm, okay, all your teeth. <laughs> Is that your hair? You don't know whose hair is whose anymore. Anyway, so I'm like, no, but I said to him, he said, no, he said to me, I want to come to your church because that is something I need in my life. You can go up past the cab. He was like, he was like in that place like Rabboni, like not to me, but just in his life, like, like getting real for a moment. You know, he was dancing with all his friends and all the, and all the masks that are on people. You never see it more than at a wedding, right? Because everybody's got a tux on. So everybody looks good. But then when you find out what's really going on, it's like, wow. People are hurting. People need help. It's like marriages. It's like families that come to church every week and pretend everything's all right when it's really not. Don't suffer in silence. Blow it up. So Jesus said to him in Mark 10, 52, he said, go your way. Listen to me. You can come up to this altar today. You can get healed. But as far as you following Jesus or not, that's your decision. Go your way. And immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus. See, he wants to heal you so you can see and know him. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that seems right to a man. Everybody say, there's a way. But I'm telling you something. There's ways that we're living our life that may seem right to us, but it's not his way. When we have a mask on, when we're not honest, when God, by the Holy Spirit, says, come up to this altar and pour it all out, we don't do it, that's because we're going our own way. He says, there is a way. But then in John 14, 6, he says this. I am the way. I am the way. You know what that means? There's no other way. When Jesus says, I am the way, that means there's no other way. There's no other way for salvation. There's no other way of healing. You can hide it all you want, but it ain't going away until you go the way of Jesus. And his way is open and honest. What do you want? Rabboni, with emotion. If, if you have no emotion... You're a walking dead person. Faith is not an absence of motion. Faith is a motion with the word of God. It's a passion with it. Religion is, I know it all, I know it all, I know it all, but I'm dry as a bone. Relationship is, I love God, I need God. Here's what I need, God. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. I come to you like that. If your kid comes to you with platitudes <laughs> and no emotion, you're like, really? No, no, come back. Dad, I'm sorry. I made some mistakes. But I love you and I need your help. What parent, almost every parent, would say, I love you too. You're so special. What is it you need? But well, we're not all perfect, but he is. 
He's a good dad. He's the only way. Let's bow our heads. I want to make sure that everyone here knows Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. If there's anything else that you're putting your trust in to go to heaven, can I blow it up right now? <laughs> can I just kaboom it right now with TNT? Because it's not going to get you there. Jesus is the only way. If you've never put your faith and trust in him, do it right now by saying a prayer. Do you know one prayer can blow up your past? It can blow up your insecurity. It can blow up your depression. It can blow up your poverty. It can blow up your sickness right now by saying this prayer. So with every eye closed and head bowed, say this with me. Say, Father, I know that Jesus is your son. I know he died on the cross for my sin. Three days later, you raise him from the dead that I can have a new life. Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Change me today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody keep your eyes closed, your head bowed for a second. If you said that prayer, you want to change your life today by receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior, raise your hand right now. Raise your hand. Anyone else? Raise your hand. Hallelujah. If you said that prayer, please stand to your feet right now. Hallelujah. Yeah.